I think hyperinflation is all about to eliminate the middle class uh, and you everybody either poor or if you're rich, you're rich. Uh, you're not going to change your status. You're already rich, they stay rich. But the middle class disappear. And I think that's one of my major concerns here in America because I think that's what they're going after, the middle oh. class. I am so excited today because I have Alejandro, who I met at an event, a George Gammon event in Miami, and he came specifically to see me and give me a 20,000 Bolivar bill. And today we are going to be talking about his experiences living through hyperinflation in Venezuela. I'm so glad to have you here, Alejandro. Thank you so much for coming today. Alejandro, first of all, I would really like to thank you for being here today. I think it's critically important for our viewers and for even not our viewers, but for everybody to understand what it's like living in hyperinflation and also what you're seeing in the U.S. today that may or may not be reminiscent of what you went through um, living in Venezuela as the hyperinflation was building. Well, uh, first of all, uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, well, it's been uh, many shows that I've been listening to it, but it's kind of funny because when I found out about your YouTube channel, you were the first one who mentioned about Venezuela. Oh, I've been following uh, Venezuela. But it's very common that they mention Argentina, they mention Turkey, they mention Zimbabwe, but no many reference about Venezuela. Would you talk my attention? You, you were the first one that I actually uh, point out Venezuela. And we are the one who have the highest hyperinflation level in the whole entire world. Yes. <laughs> uh, but um, things are unfolding really quick in the United States. Uh, it's unbelievable uh, the times that we're having here in, in America. Uh, the things that happen in Venezuela also happen very quick. Uh, it happened by changing the constitution, uh, back in, 1999 when Hugo Chavez reached out to the presidency mm -hmm. he uh, he changed the constitution uh, opened up the uh, terms levels he can basically be re-elected anytime he wants to just like regimes do all the time uh, as far as the economy uh, everything happened like uh, first they take control of the media uh, so I believe we're already there yeah so they control the narrative at the beginning, before they get in power, it's very inclusive. Like they care about the poor people, that they want to unite people, that kind of stuff. Then when they take control of the media, uh, for some reason, they start looking ways to split, split the communities uh, by races, by women, by anything that they came out with. Uh, that way, society is not inclusive. It's, it's, they're trying to split everybody. Is that so they can point a finger, well, it's this group that's doing this or making this happen or and also divide and conquer? What do you think? Yeah, the, the whole idea is basically making sure that people will be not on the same page, that they be in different uh, directions and people will start fighting between each other. Uh, 
that's kind of how they start playing. Some people believe on the system. So I think that happened like in Cuba, you still have people who live down there uh, and they believe in the system. Uh, they believe living the way they live over there is normal. Uh, there's also Venezuela regime has been there for over, what, 20 years? Mm-hmm. So there are some uh, youngest people that they don't know any other way to live that the way they live now down there uh, because the only thing they, they know uh, yeah. So for them, it's normal the way they live, the life that they're living down there. Uh, but it's funny, like, uh, you know, they, they're coming up right now with this uh, CBDC. Yes. Uh, and, and it happened in Venezuela, too, that they came out with control, pricing controls because the food was so high. So the government trying to do something about it that opened up the black market. So if you wanted to buy goods and services, anything basically you had to buy like a hiding uh, at a high price uh, nobody can see you that kind of stuff uh, it took my attention because uh, if the CBDC being placed they don't really have to control prices uh, they can control the demand of the products uh, so basically they give an, an allowance per items per family just like they do in Cuba it's just they don't do it digitally they do it manually right let, well, let me let can we back up for just a second because you made a sure. comment about the government then putting caps on things and trying to control the prices, and we're seeing that happen in Europe right now, right? Where they're talking about putting caps on all these prices. So can can you go into that a little bit more? Well, uh, same thing happened in Venezuela. Uh, so they create uh, institutions. Uh, trying to uh, making sure that the prices that they were allowed to sell those products uh, were in place. But when those things start happening, uh, what happens is, is basically the food become disappear. All the shelves become empty uh, because uh, the people that are selling those products, they're not going to sell without any making any profit. Right. Uh, so it doesn't make sense at all. So that's when you open up the black market for food, uh, for certain services, so people will still be able to get those things, but in a different manner. Uh, that happened down there in Venezuela. Do you feel like putting the, those price caps on it um, actually made it worse? Of course, it made it worse because uh, if you wanted to find medicine or uh, important items for your regular uh, food, uh, grocery shopping, you're not able to find them, uh, especially like happened here, baby formula, that kind of stuff, that happened down there too uh, at the beginning. Uh, right now, it's different. Uh, now in Venezuela, even though they they had the Bolivar as a national tender uh, currency, they use uh, US dollars. So now everything is a lot different because everything is sold in dollars, even well, though Bolivar yeah. is the national currency. Um, and also in the outlier um counties or places in Venezuela, they actually price things in gold, too. They do. Uh, those are the like uh, states that are close to uh, mines of gold, that kind of stuff. And they do. Uh, but they were doing that also when the currency become very dysfunctional, mm-hmm. when you have to have so many bills in order to buy just a candy bar or a coffee. You have to have so many bills packed together. At one point, they were even just basically testing the weight of the bills. So they yeah. know more or less how much amount they have in there because it was so many bills that they were not able to count it. It was too many. 
So that, that happened over there too. Also, I remember um, people on their fixed income mm. in Venezuela, like teachers, uh, some doctors, uh, depending on the field that you work on, those people disappear or those people don't want to do those jobs anymore. So we oh. had a deficit back then uh, because their salaries were, were not enough to sustain their, their standard of living. So those people are redoing other activities, trying to survive during this economy. And of course, now we have the immigration problem, which it took my attention that now we have the chairman uh, Powell uh, trying to raise interest rate to cool down the economy, to control the demand. But uh, in the other hand, we have open borders allowing too many immigrants coming over that they're going to require good debt services and that create inflation as well. Wow. When we don't have uh, the uh, good and services under control as it's happening here right now. I don't think we haven't fixed the uh, channel of food or there are still certain items that are still hard to find here, uh, at least here in Florida. I don't know. Where like what? Well, mostly like a product mechanic uh, for auto parts, uh, right. I would say air conditions, okay. uh, some filters, believe it or not. I was trying to find out the AC filter for my air condition unit. I was not able to find it. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's kind of tricky. Like they play double narrative. In one side, they're trying to kill the demand. But in the other ones, it's just basically without con immigration controls, it's going to open more because those people are going to demand goods and services. Right. So is there a social net uh, in Venezuela that um, increased to help people survive, you know, and be able to afford food or anything else? And, and those, immigra those immigrants, are they in that system as well? Well, uh, the government, uh, they implement some social programs. The most common one is one that is called the CLAP bots. It's called, that's how they call it down there. And basically is uh, they provide uh, certain items in a monthly basis. Uh, so people can buy for a lower price. They subside the products pretty much. So those are the products that people can buy uh, over there uh, to survive. Uh, but this is very small amount of products. Uh, there's no enough product for you to have for a month. But that's how people eat over there. They, sometimes they only have one meal at a day, you know, trying to make sure sure. those products last for the entire month. I but think, that's how they can... Yeah, I, I, was going to, I was going to say, I think that we're seeing that a lot here uh, now as food prices and, and globally. As food prices are going up, people are spending the same in this country number of dollars, but they're buying less and trying to make it stretch longer. Yes. Uh, I wish we had someone, and I wanted to thank you for the work that you do oh. over there in Venezuela before all those things happening because uh, nobody knew, nobody see it coming, and when it came, and nobody was prepared for it. Yes. So at least now you've been trying to wake up people and make them aware about the situation and that they're still in their purchasing power on a daily basis. Uh, now people start seeing it. But I don't think we are in the face of hyperinflation where people start getting rid of the money as soon as they get it. Not uh, yet. I don't think we're not there yet. Correct. 
Uh, but people start kind of understanding like they see inflation as a price, rising prices, uh, but they don't understand it, especially in the Latin community. I, I, I wish we have a better message uh, because I think they're going to be suffering the most because they're the ones that they don't have more financial uh, education. They don't understand this. This is different. Yeah. Well, it's I- a global crisis. Oh. And it's combined with different. It has a mix of a little bit of everything. It has an energy crisis. It has a currency crisis. Uh, we have a government crisis. So it, it's, it's going to be interesting. I think the end game is going to be social unrest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm glad that the United States had the second amendment. Uh, that a lot of people, I think, they will fight for their liberty and their constitutions. I hope so. <clears throat> and uh, Somewhere well, I, think that, I, I believe that's how it's going to end. Uh, because Venezuela, we tried, but we don't have that culture. Uh, or buying guns or that kind of stuff. We didn't have that. Some people did, but not many. So we tried, we protest, we did a lot of stuff, but um, it didn't work. It, you know, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. But I, I, you know, just just listening to you. So were there signs that people just ignored leading up to the hyperinflation? Well, yes. Um, see, the thing is, Venezuela, for example, they did three conversions of the currency. Yes, they uh, did. I, I know you are aware of it. Uh, some people And don't. you gave me that bill, you know, that 20, yeah. $20,000 or 20,000 Bolivar, Bolivar uh, yeah. bill, which has more value as a napkin for an empanada, doesn't it? Yes. So when those regimes... is, is getting place, uh, the first thing that they're also trying to control is the currency going out of the country. Yes. So that happened in Venezuela. So when they get in power, the first thing that they did is basically they block the amount of money that you can pull out of the country. Uh, so that was one of the first uh, measurements that they took back then. Uh, and then we started experiencing inflation. They added so many zeros to a currency, you know, the history. And then they do the bank holiday that you always mention about it. It happened on Sunday when they do those type of thing. Uh, they announced the reconversion, which is basically sometimes one to three or one to five, depending on, on the situation. And they give you maximum amount of money that you can spend on that day. Because after they do the announcement, it's usually at nighttime. People start trying to spend whatever they can so they can at least try to save some purchasing power of whatever money they have in the bank. But that doesn't work either. I mean, people try, but uh, at the beginning, people didn't know, didn't have a clue. Then they start having controls also on the maximum amount of money that you can pull out of the bank. That happened too in Venezuela. So uh, a, lot, a lot of people believe on the bank system that their money, they can get it whenever they want to. Uh, it doesn't happen that way. That happened in Venezuela. So and then we had a control on the maximum amount we can pull out of the money in the bank and also with the wire transfers. They put limits on a daily basis. And the quantity. I think you were not allowed to do more than three, something like that. So can I ask you then how, what, now, you, you no longer live in Venezuela, but no. how did the wealthy 
transfer their their money out of Venezuela. I mean, if if you went to say Miami, you could travel, right? You could wear a lot of gold or you could carry some gold and silver in your pockets or but do you know how they did that? Uh yes. Uh, well, a lot of them uh, see the dollar as a hedge. So a lot of them start <laughs> changing their money with US dollar, which is kind of tricky, you know, because right now Venezuela uh, is everything about dollar, but they don't understand that the dollar is going through the same process as the Bolivar was back then. Thank you so, for bringing that up. Yes. So not many people realize that, that the US dollar is also loses purchasing power. They still feel that the dollar is, is, is stable. They see it as a stable uh, currency. So that's what they use down there. Um, but um, uh, I'm sorry, can you surprise so, me? Yes. How did, do you know, you may or may not know this, but how oh, the yeah. wealthy, because there there's always people that have money, right? So how did the wealthy in Venezuela get their money out or get some of their wealth out of Venezuela? Yes. Most of them, they start transferring their business to different countries. Um, that was the first thing that they did, uh, some of them. Uh, I know some people that they start carrying jewelry in uh, in the belts uh, with gold because it was higher high amount of gold. You're not allowed to pull that quantity out of the country. So they did it in different ways. Uh, but the number one was US dollar because they see the US dollar as a stable currency. So even right now, in our days right now, they still use the US dollar down there. So you still have a family in Venezuela? Yes, I do. So in January, uh, the world was told that Venezuela had finally broken the hyperinflation, although when you look at the hype, at the official numbers, they're still well over 50% a month. Uh, but can you address, or do you know from your family members that still live there, what's going on right now even? Well, uh, you still have inflation, but now the inflation, instead of being with uh, Bolivar currency, is through US dollars. Ah, so, okay. So instead of you experiencing inflation with Bolivar, you do it through dollars. So if you have a, let's say a car battery used to be $100, instead of $100, now it's $120. And uh, it's, we also, I, I will say that down there, they have also some sort of estaflation because certain items, the ones that people demand the most, those are the ones that have inflations. The <laughs> items that people they don't require most, uh, those are the ones that actually, uh, it's not that expensive, you know? We, we see the same thing here. I was reading an, an article uh, from one of the government agencies on caviar that is not inflated at the same level as meat. But they're both in the food category. So instead of getting a real read on what people buy and actually use every day, it makes food inflation look a whole lot less for that same reason, or at least when they announce the official numbers. Yeah. The same thing happened over there. Uh, certain meats were more expensive than other. Of course, the ones that are lower prices, those are the ones that people were buying because right. they cannot afford to buy the, the regular ones. Uh, and of course, they, they start changing behavior in their entire life, how you behave, you know, as far as 
cutting your budget, uh, trying to see how you can basically uh, expand your resources with less, you know? So a lot of people is experiencing that in Venezuela as well. Well, one of the things that I noticed, let's go back to food because typically during hyperinflationary events, food and then medicine become the single most important thing for most people. Yeah. Right? Uh, and- it's good that you bring that up because, um, for example, like uh, health insurance is one of the industries that disappear during the hyperinflation without the dollar. Uh, now they're, they're bringing them back but you have to pay them in US dollars and they cover certain limit in dollars. But during the hyperinflation with Bolivars, uh, some people had health insurance, but because of the hyperinflation, whatever their coverage was, was not able to cover for their treatments. Uh, it, on a daily basis, the prices for procedure were more expensive because of the medicine, because of the labor, everything. So at one point, I will say that not many people had a health insurance because it was uh, worthless what what they were covering versus the amount of or the cost for the the procedures down there. As far as the food goes, um, uh, some people, uh, like I say, uh, they opt out for the uh, social programs from the government where they buy the clap bots, and that's basically how all they can afford uh, to buy that box. It's, it's less than one month supplies. So, but I, I want to kind of go, I want to dig into that a little bit more in that, you know, the, the, the people at, at what point, I have no idea how you're going to answer this, but at what point were the people discouraged from providing their own food because I know once they got to a point, it, particularly in the cities, all of a sudden they're supposed to have chickens and they're supposed to raise gardens and, and things like that. And here in this country, most people are clearly dependent on the grocery stores and that infrastructure. So um, can you kind of relate those two things? Well, uh, this happened uh, during the stage when the government bring the price control and people are not able to find things on the shelf. Mm-hmm. So that's when the people start uh, become more in, in imagine what they can do in order to survive. Mm-hmm. So some people start getting their a little farms or people start getting uh, chicken, as you say, it's depending what type of property they have, you know, also not everybody was able to do the same thing. My uncle, he had um, lime trees, they had uh, tomato trees, they have uh, onion trees, lettuce tree, uh, and they have also some chicken as well. So a lot of the portion of their regular meals were provided by their own, uh, their, their own uh, jar. Yes. Uh, but not everybody was, was able to do that. Uh, certain people of the population, not everyone. So is, is that like the uh, higher level, socioeconomic level? Because I know also in Venezuela, uh, abject poverty grew to 90%. I didn't say 100%, yeah. but 90%. I, don't think, I think hyperinflation is all about to eliminate the middle class. Uh, and you, everybody either poor or if you're rich, you're rich. Uh, you're not going to change your status. You're already rich, they stay rich. But the middle class disappear. And I think that's one of my major concerns here in America, 
because I think that's what they're going after, the middle oh. class. We've been watching the destruction of the middle class really since about 2000. That's actually, you know, it's it's slower with the advent of, you know, of Amazon and the unequal playing field. They didn't have to charge taxes. They'd go in and undercut because Wall Street kept supporting them. So, and then certainly through 2008, that was a huge, obvious hit to the middle class. And then since 2020, another huge Huge. I mean, there's not much middle class left here, unfortunately. Yeah, I also like to point out, uh, like, uh, I had a seventy thousand dollars in a student loan that I had to work a double extra shift to pay them off. So I feel so happy when I paid them off. I was very happy, and uh, now that I start listening to this, that they're gonna just basically give them ten thousand to twenty thousand dollars in a student loan credit. Uh, that's just basically taking purchasing power from them. They don't realize because that's just basically uh, trying to, uh, th that's just promoting basically inflation. Uh, people think that they believe that they're helping them, but in reality, they're just taking their purchasing power away. Some people see it, some people don't. Yeah, I, I'm not so sure that that's helping, but you know, it, yeah. What I think that what that happens to be about is uh, the ability for people that are saddled with that debt, it changes their credit rating. And then that enables them to go out and buy a house at overvalued levels because it just it puts them in a different looking fiscal picture. But $10,000, a lot of people have a lot more debt than that. And the taxpayers have to pay it. You're absolutely right. It is inflationary. Yes, and like I say, some people believe that they're helping them, but it's not really a help because that basically brings inflation in a higher level. So you can afford less items, as you were saying, with with, with the currency. You know. So, but I think it's gonna be very interesting when they bring these uh, CBDCs because, like I say, I think instead of bringing uh, price control on rent, on food, items. I think they're just basically going to program the currency uh, however they want it. And basically, that's we have to follow whatever they, they, they say on, under that program. Of course, like you said at the beginning, it's going to be a friendly. Everybody will like it. Everybody thinks it's going to be the best. Free UBI. money. Mm -hmm. Yes, free money. But and then at the end, when people start realizing Wait a minute, I'm only allowed to buy only one item, so I don't have the freedom that I can buy as many as I want, as we do it now. Um, that's when people start working on and realize what it is, you know. It's all about taking control over your and your liberties. Because at the end, that's, that's what it is, you know, it's taking your freedom. So what do you think would have happened? I mean, I know that in Venezuela they made an attempt at a CBDC. But it gets yeah. very local. I mean, aren't a lot of people bartering? Well, the way they did it in Venezuela, they came out with that. It's called Petro. It's a cryptocurrency, whatever they call it, and it's backed up by oil. But of course, nobody believe it. Nobody had confidence on it, so it never worked. Uh, so I don't, I don't know anybody that use it. I think if they use it, they use it for to pay for like driver's license or that kind of services with the government, anything that is associated with the government, because they do take it. 
But in a daily basis, I don't think anybody used that. Uh, that's a failure program. You know, it's interesting because um, they had a similar kind of result, not that nobody used it, but China tried to first saying, oh yeah, well, we'll just work side by side with the other private cryptocurrencies. And that didn't last very long. That dialogue didn't last very long. So, um, I, I, you know, I hope that it's hard for people to adopt it. But I also hope that we have other choices outside of it. Because you make a really valid point about people having putting value in dollars when the dollar... is losing purchasing power as well. Uh, yeah, I, I try to explain that uh, I, uh, to my near family members so they can understand it. And they have to see other ways uh, to start uh, trying to save their uh, purchasing power, their savings, uh, which is gold, silver. Right. Know. I was going to ask you, how easy is it to get gold and silver in Venezuela right now? It's not that hard. Um, however, um, when the crisis was really bad in Venezuela, the hyperinflation were in the highest level, a lot of people opt for uh, uh, touring their gold and jewelry, trying to survive. So, um, so definitely those items work. Um, they were the ones who actually saved some people, you know what I mean, by putting meal in their in their table. But those were just jewelry that people had as a middle class, you know. They were not with the purpose of safe uh, money or... So like jewelry and things like yes. that. Exactly, yes. Well, but they didn't have it because of that purpose. They used to have it because they used to wear them. Right. Uh, but when the hyperinflation were in the highest level, people start turning those in for money so they can purchase food. Uh, but I think the major thing during hyperinflation is when we go into a liquidity crisis, which is basically when the lenders uh, basically don't give out any loans. And that's happening right now in Venezuela. There is no banking system as far as getting loans. So if you would like to purchase a home or vehicle, it has to be done in cash. Uh, there is no finance at all. And that's because of the level of inflation is basically way higher than the interest rates, which is happening right now here in America. Uh, I don't understand how is it possible that our last CPI was uh, 8.2, 8.1, I believe. Yep. And we still have some mortgage rate below uh, under that. Uh, I don't understand how they keep doing it because it's, it's an way under the inflation rate. So well, it doesn't make sense to me. Did you see, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me either especially since they juggle all of the numbers too. So you do really think it was 8.1 or 8.2? Uh, but they have to keep the illusion going. Although I saw um, mortgage rates have now in this country uh, breached 6%. But the advantage that we have are 30-year fixed mortgages. Right? Well, they now have become even more creative as far as mortgage. Uh, I happen to... Uh, Talk to one lender last week. Now they have a 40 years mortgage um, and they are offering now interest only uh, for the first 10 years. Uh, and then the following year is when you start actually kicking uh, to the principal. So they, they come in 
creative with different products, trying to keep the housing market alive. Um, but when we're talking about almost because 6% is the entry level rate for someone who has an excellent credit. But if it's for someone who is average uh, trying to buy their first home, I think the interest rate is around seven, seven and a half, if, I think you're probably... uh, and it could be higher mm -hmm. because the 10 year um, uh, treasury, I think was almost 4% yesterday. I was looking at it, 3.9 something, very, very close to four. I haven't checked them today, but um, as you know, that's how the mortgage rate uh, go by. It's true, and in England, um, there are a lot of products that have just auto, just like that disappeared from the shelf. Yes. Right. So we're already seeing that pullback. And that's what happened in 2008 with the subprime crisis. I mean, liquidity dried up in 24 hours. And so just today we saw the Bank of England um, go from tightening to now going into the bond market and and turning around and they don't want to call it QE because QE originals intention was to develop inflation, grow inflation. And this is about saving the children, saving the pension plans. So, but it's, it's the same thing. What do you think looking around um, and with your experience from Venezuela, you know, do you think that the central banks are going to, and governments, um, and actually there was a report that I just did a little while ago on um, basically the globe, so through the IMF, it was an IMF report, eliminating the independence of the central bank so that the central bank and government can work hand in hand to, I don't know, to do what, They'll, they'll say to fight inflation, but did you see that in Venezuela as too, where that, that independence from the central bank is just eliminated? During hyperinflation, there is no independence institutions. They all work for the government, including the central bank. Uh, I believe right now, even here in the United States, uh, I believe the Federal Reserve work uh, with the government, uh, they try to pretend that they're independent. Uh, but if you see the narrative, uh, you know, thinking about it, thinking about it, and then they came out with a, we're gonna go to a soft landing. Uh, now the narrative is about we're gonna have some pain uh, that they're trying to control back inflation to 2%, which is, I don't think they're gonna be able to do that. No. <clears throat> um, but what do you think? But, but what do you think about the IMF actually coming out and talking about the elimination of the independent central bank on a global basis, not just a localized basis? What does, from your experience, what does that tell you? Well, they need to bring confidence uh, back to, from people because when confidence is being lost, especially right now that this is a global crisis, of course, they have to come up with a new way to try to bring confidence uh, from societies and, and start believing back in the system. So uh, I believe there is a way to for them to try to tell people that this time is going to be different. Oh, yeah. They always say that. <laughs> and keep us under the debt uh, system that we have. And 
but at the end it's the same. I, I think it's just basically another way to trying to, like I say, uh, just trying to bring confidence. Because at the end, that's what we lose uh, during monetary crisis. People lose confidence in the currency. So they'd rather to have anything besides paper. Well, that's true. Um, I'm when, when I look at that, what that tells me is that they're setting up the globe for, for a very nasty hyperinflationary event because, as you pointed out, in Venezuela, it was just one. You know, they, they, they absolutely, yes, uh, you know, I, I agree with you that the central banks are already working with the governments, but there is that thin line division that we are supposed to perceive as the central bank is independent. I've never in my long career, never, ever, ever have I seen a, a, a regulatory body like the IMF that's all treasury secretaries and central bank chiefs, that those are the members of almost every country on this, on this planet. Never have I seen a body like that come out and talk about eliminating that division. They want to keep the perception that it's still separate, but you know they have to come up with new ways. Um, and that's the other thing. People always perceive that they that the powers that be, so the governments and the central banks, want things to remain the same. But maybe, you know, and maybe you can relate this back to Venezuela. At what point? when a government and central bank acknowledge that this is the end. It's the end. It's the end of the system as we know it, the end of the currency as we know it. And just sort of say, okay, we've got the CBDCs here to take over. And much as they talk about not being ready yet, personally, I think that's garbage. They already have the Fed now account in place that's supposed to come out in next year, 2023. I mean, we have a lot of things that are shifting in 2023. LIBOR to so so like 600 trillion contracts. Did those all get derivative contracts? Did those all get reset by now? I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of things that are happening in 2023. Could this really just be the support for the last bit of like, would you say Venezuela is in a hyperinflationary depression? I, yes, definitely. It is still there. Yes. So Some people are trying right now to advertise that there is a recovery in the country, but that's, I don't believe that. I still have family down there and, and the economy is very tight. You know, it's very hard to survive over there. Uh, I'm not saying people, uh, every, every family is still under the same situation, but definitely in general, yes, they are still in hyperinflation in economy in depression. So I think that maybe by that el overtly eliminating that division, then we could see a global hyperinflationary depression, which would put enough pain on the population. You, you remember me, they did something uh, over there, which is they came out with, uh, it wasn't a digital currency, but it was a new ID that you must have in order for you, for example, if you want to put gas in your car with at uh, lower prices from the ones that subside the government, 
you must have that ID. Oh, wow. So that kind of brings me to the social credit scores uh, that is associated with the DV CBDC right. currency. So they did have something similar. So if you wanted to have any benefits coming out of the government, you have to have that ID. Uh, as far as uh, currency, uh, they don't use, I mean, very barely cash in Venezuela. Most of the transactions are done with uh, uh, debit cards or credit cards, um, which is to me digital currency. It's just basically, in a way, it's just a card and right. everybody just uses it, but it's digital. Um, the government controls the amount of money on a daily basis that you can transfer. So there's a maximum. And you know, funny, this happened to me, I think like three weeks ago, I was in the bank. I happened to do some uh, withdrawal out of my account. And I was looking at my transactions and I see a penalty fee on my bank account. <clears throat> so I called the bank and found out about this fee because I never overdraft. So what, what was the issue with it? So apparently for that type of account that I had, uh, I only allowed to pull this amount of money. Uh, otherwise, I started kicking the penalty fee at, at that point. Yeah. So that was something that took my attention uh, when that happened to me. So it's not like they're telling you you can't pull that limit, but they started actually charging you if you want to pull over that limit. I didn't know that, of course. I found out because I was looking at my bank statement. That's, you know, I, I've been watching what we can do in our banking system, especially, especially since 2008, really just, and they do it in a stealth move, more and more and more narrow. And if you get something in the mail, there's like a little one sheet glossy thing that makes whatever the changes that they're going to do seem like a no big dealer until you go to your bank and you find that it's, it's gotten a whole lot harder to wire transfer funds. They ask you all of these questions. They're very intrusive. They have all of these excuses. Um, yeah. I, I, and, and it's very important that people understand that liquidity crisis is not just about people getting loans or finances. It also is about your savings or your bank accounts. Because when those things happen, it happened in Venezuela at different times where they closed the, completely the bank system and uh, basically you were not allowed to pull any money out of your accounts. Yeah. So those things happen. Uh, some people don't believe, but in Venezuela it happened. So uh, at one point it will, we will see it. Oh, we will definitely see it. I really consider this conversation that I had with Alejandro to be extraordinarily important for you to understand what's coming. And I hope you enjoyed part one of his Boosts on the Ground series. Now, part two will be coming out on Thursday, and you don't want to miss that. And, and as always, just to keep you well-informed so that you can make educated choices, we will continue to discuss the hyperinflationary parallels uh, and the pieces that the normal person missed in our boots on the ground series moving forward from all around the world.